I ain't looking to compete with you, beat or cheat or mistreat you, simplify you, classify you, deny, defy or crucify you. No, I ain't looking to fight with you, frighten you or uptighten you, drag you down or bring you down, chain you down or bring you down. I don't want to fake you out, take or shake or forsake you out. I ain't looking for you to feel like me, see like me or be like me. All I really want to do is baby be friends with you. Bob Dylan there, all I really want to do. Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. It's important to have friends, but it's also important to be respected by those whom we respect. This is not a quick process, it takes time. You will make mistakes and learn from them. You will get things right and build on that success. It's a life thing, a willingness to do the right, but also to think of others, find out about others and listen to others. But it's also a photographic thing, and it is therefore disappointing to see and hear from so many photographers confining themselves to such a small gene pool of influence. To not see photography outside of that personal preference as being worthy of investigation. To not respect those working in fields outside of your own, to not explore photography outside of our comfort zones, is, I think, to disrespect that work through disinterest. As I often say, we don't need to agree or like the same work, but I do believe that we need to respect the work of others. But we cannot do that unless we are willing to be open-minded to what photography is and not what we want it to be. I've had a few conversations recently with people who have been involved in photography in the photographic environment for a long time. And I've got to say, I'm quite surprised, shocked, disappointed by how little knowledge they actually have of the broader range of photography. If we're going to be photographers, surely we should love all of the medium, not just a small part of it or a few photographers. Maybe we should be more interested in the things we don't understand than the things that we do. I think we're all aware, aren't we, of the economic impact that COVID has had across the world and also in the UK the effect that Brexit has had. Starting to get difficult to go to a supermarket or a food shop and see anything on the shelves. Well, I saw a tweet the other day by a photographer based just outside Bristol doing something which I've been talking about, thinking about for many years now. He's taken over a shop. Photographer takes over shoe shop. Strange, but actually, no, not really strange. Because this shoe shop is part of a series of shops, all of which are empty now, from a shopping mall just outside of Bristol. And he's decided that he's going to put on weekly exhibitions, little events. He's not really sure. All he knows is he's got a shoe shop now, and that's going to be a window for his work. So he's going to make new work, focusing on that part of Bristol. And as I say, he's going to exhibit on an ongoing basis, changing from week to week. He'll also be offering some workshops. And he says he's currently thinking about doing a publication that can be given away or sold very cheaply, depending on the funding he can get his hands on. Fantastic initiative. I really wish him well. 
And I also hope that we can see more shops that are, rather than staying empty on the high street, get taken over by photographers and creatives as little kind of local hubs for what's going on in the creative world. I know for sure I'd like to do it. I've just got to find the time. It's not easy taking over a shop. It's a commitment. But then again, so is photography. This week, we welcome to the podcast to explain to us what does photography mean to him in less than five minutes, Paul Wakefield. Born in Hong Kong and educated in Hong Kong and the UK, Paul became a landscape photographer out of a passion for nature, landscape and photography, developing a keen eye for detail from an early age, while trekking with his father in the hills of the Chinese New Territories, searching for birds, butterflies and snakes. He's followed a photographic trajectory marked by working outdoors, often in challenging locations, and he's won many awards for his commissions from international advertising agencies, including a DNAD Silver Award and AOP Gold and Silver Awards, among many others. He was nominated for the Prix Pictet in 2021, and his work has been exhibited in numerous galleries, including the Photographer's Gallery London, Saatchi Gallery London, and the Kodak Gallery Tokyo. Wakefield has published five books of photographs, three in collaboration with the travel writer Jan Morris. His monograph, The Landscape, won first place at the International Photography Awards in 2014, and his next book, Signs of Devotion, is to be published in India and the UK in 2022. There were a number of ways I thought of to answer this question from Grant. What photography means to me... It seemed so simple, just five words, but it proved to be anything but. In fact, it's incredibly complex. But one word that kept recurring in all the directions I tried, and that was memory. In fact, a collection of memories would be a better description of what I was thinking about. I can remember the first roll of film I exposed. I was 12, and we were living in Hong Kong at the time. I used my father's Zeiss Contraflex, but he hadn't shown me how to use it, so it was a complete failure, pretty obviously. And I didn't pick up a camera again until I was about 19 at college in England. It was that same camera. By then, my father had given it to me. But in the intervening years at a boarding school, I'd spent a lot of time, I guess as a form of escape, looking through National Geographic and Life magazines and other books in the school library. I also spent a lot of time walking on the downs above the school, again as an escape, but as, as also as a replacement for walking in the new territories in Hong Kong with my family who I missed. I went on to do a three-year photography course. Again, the instruction was minimal, but we formed a small group, six I think, and we learned from each other, we encouraged each other, and we went on week-long excursions together to Wales and Scotland. And what I developed during those college years was a sense of composition that I remember struggling with looking at pictures at school. At school I took no pictures, I had no camera. But that's when I started asking myself why some images worked for me while others didn't. So those three years at college afterwards were a luxury for me. 
especially compared to where I'd come from. So I guess photography started out for me as a way of recording my love of nature that I remember as a boy in Hong Kong. All those things I'd been wrenched away from, I started looking for again as an adult. It became a process of forming a memory collection of places and details of places that I had a feeling of wonder about while being in the landscape. I collected ephemera and natural bits and pieces from an early age and so photographing them became a natural extension of that habit. I was scanning some 6x17 black and white negatives the other day that I'd done in Peru and Chile in about 1996 and I could recall everything about the day, driving the pickup truck along the dirt track, the wind, the smell, the rears running about, and where I walked. But none of those things are actually in the photographs. But for me, the pictures contain all those elements. They seem locked in there. While I was still at college, I started freelancing for publishers and record companies. And around that time, I also started collecting photo books. I loved the escape of immersing myself in National Geographic, etc. at school. And I still really love looking at other people's work. For me, books and magazines are the natural home for photographs. It's like turning the pages through someone else's memory bank. I went on to publish five books of landscapes while at the same time working mostly for advertising agencies. I've also photographed extensively in India, mostly the people. In fact, I came to regard the people in India as the landscape of India, and that's the book I'm working on at the moment. I've made many mistakes since that first roller film, and I've learnt a lot from them. But even now, those early attempts still puzzle me. I was actually trying to photograph a troop of macaques at the end of our road. I can still remember distinctly seeing them through the viewfinder. But when the yellow box of Kodachromes came back, there were no monkeys on any of the slides at all. I couldn't understand it. Where'd they gone? Had I imagined them? It's that fleeting magical quality of photography that's always intrigued me, particularly in film. It's similar to vinyl in that way. It seems to come from nowhere. And I guess the piece of film is the evidence. So for me, photography means memory. Or maybe it's become memory. Thank you, Paul, for your contribution this week tying very nicely into some of the themes that I was introducing at the beginning of this episode of the importance that look, of looking at other people's work and enjoying other people's work. So great to hear Paul talking there about that. Memory, of course. How often does memory come up as such an important element of people's understanding of photography? And once again, we've got this situation of somebody being given the camera, the passing on of the camera, the passing on of the medium, the passing on of the love for the medium from a father or from a family friend does make me wonder, you know, what a lot of the photographers who've described this to us are of a certain age, an age similar to myself. It does make me wonder what will happen in the future if I'm still doing this podcast in 10 or 20 years and I start speaking to photographers 
who are in their perhaps say 30s or 40s, will they still talk about being handed a camera or will they remember the first time that they received a smartphone? It will be interesting to find out. I certainly, as everybody knows who listens to this podcast, put very little store in kit. However, the essence of memory and the emotional attachment to cameras is important and actually something I wrote about uh, in a previous uh, article for unitednationsofphotography.com. So thank you once again to Paul for raising those issues and uh, an excellent contribution to the podcast. I hope you agree. If you're not aware of his work, check it out. It's an interesting mix, I think, of landscape and documentary. Perhaps you could even use the word travel photography to describe it. But as, again, regular listeners know, I don't really like to use any of those pigeonholes to describe photography. It's just great work. So I really encourage you to check it out. I spoke last week about contemporary art practice, I suppose, in general, a type of work that seems to be really prevalent at the moment, work that is based upon a piece of writing. The images come from the writing or try to illustrate the writing, that piece of text, which tends to be perhaps an intellectual investigation, I suppose, really, into a point of view or something. It's so varied, but at the same time, so often it's so similar. You know, I'm more of a pie man, to be honest with you, rather than a deconstructed food man. I've spoken about this before, but the deconstruction of every aspect of the photographic process can only lead, in my opinion, to an overly introspective approach to photography that kind of ends up eating itself. I'm all for introspection and for personal work, but I think we really do need to think about the work that we're creating and what our expectation is of it. So often I hear people talk about this kind of introspective, deconstructed work with the idea of a book or of an exhibition. My question is always, but what is the audience? Is there an audience? Now, that doesn't mean to say by any means that you should only create work for an audience. Absolutely not. And I'm not in any way decrying As I often say, it's so important to explore photography in all its areas. But to have an unrealistic expectation of the kind of work that you're creating is going to lead, at the end, to disappointment or frustration. And I hear that disappointment and frustration perhaps more than anything else. So before you do start out on this work, my recommendation is always have an idea of that destination. It may change, and it probably should change, but at least have it at the end will ensure that you can work smart through that project and through that investigation. So the idea really is be aware of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Don't believe the false prophets. 
I literally haven't had a spare minute over the last week to do anything, to be honest with you. It's been meetings and work and dealing with personal staff, I have to be honest, supporting my mother, who I've spoken about before on the podcast with her various illnesses around dementia and Parkinson's and supporting my father and so forth. You know, the photographic life is not just about photography. We know that. And in fact, photography isn't just about photography, is it? I sometimes wonder if it's got anything to do with photography, to be honest with you. Comment made in the week by somebody that they'd uh, spent many years getting to the point at which they realised that photography wasn't about photography. It was about all of those things outside of photography. I kind of spoke up and I said, well, yeah, exactly. That's what I teach. And a couple of other people joined in as well. And they also confirmed that that's what they teach. That is their understanding. And I think that's the real key to this podcast, I hope, and also to photography for people who are finding their way through it, to not see it purely as a process of creating attractive, aesthetically pretty images. I wrote an article about this in the last week, having watched the Bob Ross uh, documentary about the uh, guy who, the TV painter really, who would create these pictures through technique which were pleasing and encouraged people to take up painting, which was a fantastically noble cause. However, what he did then was kind of leave them at the gate and they weren't encouraged to go through that gate and find out what was on the other side. I think that's one of the really key things with photography. It's such a rich area to explore. It's so important that you do, do go through that gate. And as I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, that you embrace all areas of photography, even the areas of photography that you really have no interest or like for. We can learn from everything. Anyway, as I was saying at the beginning, um, it's been a very, very busy week and therefore this podcast is being recorded in the incredibly early hours of the morning. So as always, when I do this, my voice is slightly gruff at the beginning as I've just woken up and uh, it seems to wake up as I actually record the podcast in real time. So if you listen, if you thought at the beginning of this episode that I was sounding a little rough, then uh, that's the reason why. It's not too much whiskey or wine, although a, a little drop of each is never a bad thing, I think, in a photographic life. But anyway, everything in moderation. Um, thanks very much for joining us this week. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I'm getting a lot of feedback from people saying that the podcast is making them think and reconsider and challenge some of their existing opinions. That's exactly what it's for. That's its purpose. If you feel that or if you enjoy it, I really uh, ask you kindly, could you please tell other people about it? It would be great to uh, spread the word. I'm still meeting lots of people who've never heard of it. I suppose that's only natural, really. Um, but once I do tell them about the podcast, they do seem to be getting a little bit hooked. And even going back through the uh, archive, as it's now become of previous episodes, every week we surge forward. As we move into the autumn, we've got an incredible uh, roster list a group collection of photographers who'll be joining us every week to share their understanding of what the medium means to them so do keep an eye out for that 
And in the meantime, of course, I'm going to leave you with those two words that I do every week, which is take care. <laughs>